It's a mailbag show, baby. As promised, I am going to answer all of your questions today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, January 23rd, 2023. 23-23 there. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today. To get started. Okay. We are back, baby. How you like that fan duel? How, how you like it? We're back, though. Uh, we are going to be answering mailbag questions, and we really have to get into it. We got a great response. We got a lot of questions. I'm going to try to get through all of them in half an hour. It won't happen. I won't be done in less than 30, but if I can be done between like 32 to 35, I'll consider it a victory, and we really have to jump right into it to make that happen. Okay, cool. Everybody good? Have a great start to your week. How about that? All right. Let's start it off with Jones McJones. A, uh, it's really cool seeing the, the response because there are some people that I see that aren't usually interactive, and, and that's super cool because I get to see more uh, whatever names to faces, name to profiles, whatever. And then there are some people that are just like super interactive and, and love to comment and reply to stuff all the time. And it's cool to see them in there as well. So I just, I appreciate all of you, no matter if you're, uh, if you're kind of watching in the shadows or commenting often, I appreciate it. Uh, so Jones McJones, mailbag question, who is the opening day starter and cleanup hitter for the Tigers in 2024? The Tigers should be at least competitive in 2024. Scooble and Torkelson are safe answers, but you never know if we are going out and spend to spend money after this season. Yeah, it's pretty much impossible to predict what's going to happen next offseason. Also, the free agent class is not like anything unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, there's definitely some talent there, but it's not, it doesn't have like the high end of this past offseason. Um, you know, also, cleanup hitter doesn't hold the same like weight that it used to like people just construct lineups so much differently uh most people honestly put like their best best hitter in the two spot that's like a common thing these days that's why you see the angels they always have you know their one and two in their lineup is always otani and trout uh so I, I would say that if i was just doing best pitcher and best hitter on the team opening day starter i think scooble is the safest answer i think that that is that is definitely the safest answer um as far as like uh, best hitter in, in the top part of the lineup. Uh, I, I would probably go Riley Green. Yeah, I would go Riley Green over Torgelson. And I've kind of maintained that consistently throughout both of their professional careers. I think Riley Green is different. I really think he's going to be something special. Um, let's go to Kendrick uh, Smalligan. If I mispronounce any names, obviously, know that there's no it will. I, I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, it takes me a long time to get used to saying people's names correctly and in, in, in just the real world. So this is no different. Um, Kendrick asks, how happy are you to see Araya has gone from the 
trade gone from the division and the trade to Miami. It seems like he was always right in the center of those crazy implosions at target field and as a tiger killer. Yeah. Look, uh, uh, like, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yes, you're right. He definitely is kind of in that category of tiger killer. That trade fascinates me. I could riff riff for a whole half an hour just on how fascinating I think that trade is. Miami is trying to do, uh, actually locked on Marlins. The quote from, from locked on Marlins was, uh, death by a million paper cuts is like the attempt of their lineup. And I think that's fairly accurate. Like this is going to be a team that, that just is a bunch of contact hitters in a league where that's not really a thing anymore. And they have such a good pitching rotation that they're probably going to play in a lot of close, low scoring games. And, uh, that, you know, Solaire is, is going to be there, but besides that, they don't really have any like huge, huge power threats. And, uh, so they're just going to try to hit the ball over the field and, and kind of take you down slowly. So I'm pretty fascinated with that. Uh, as far as Minnesota goes, yes, Arai is not being in the division anymore is, is obviously somewhat of a celebration, but Pablo Lopez is a dog. Uh, we'll talk about my opinion of the twins on a later show. Uh, Tony Chasey says, Scott, I love the show. I never miss an episode. I appreciate you so much, Tony. Thank you for the kind words. I have a mailbag question for you. He says, as we all know, the Tigers were destroyed by injuries to the pitching staff the last couple of seasons, 2022 for sure. Uh, I wrote, I won't read the entire thing because it's a, it's a pretty long question, but in essence, it is, is there something Fetter is doing that might be causing some, a spike of injuries with the pitchers? He does specify, I'm not arguing that. That is an exact word. He says, before anyone bites my head off, I'm not saying Fetter has, has, you know, is causing all these injuries single-handedly. He's just implying you know, since Fetter got here, there's been a lot of pitching injuries. That's objectively true. I don't think there's that much of a correlation. I really don't. And that's kind of a, I, I, th I think I'm, I'm right there, but I understand that that can be somewhat subjective. Um, my rebuttal to the, the whole thing, the biggest thing I will say is that the Tigers brought in Robin Lund, who is, going to be an assistant pitching coach. He was a pitching coach at Iowa. He is a professor in biomechanics, like like literally a professor. And so I think that they are going to try to combat, use him to combat those pitching injuries. And and again, I don't think that it's a correlation to Fetter. I don't. I, Fetter, I think, is one of the best in the world at his job. Uh, but I do think that they're adding in more reinforcements to help, like, hey, how can we attack this from all angles? How can we have you be a better pitcher? Because Feder objectively has done that to pretty much everyone he's touched. Or, not or, and keep you healthy. And I think that the addition of Lund will kind of, uh, is going to be their attempt of, of trying to do both of those things, kill two birds with one stone. Virgil Green says, do we have a pitcher or pitching mix to get Verdugo? I believe the Red Sox view him as tradable. Um, so I would imagine that we could if we really wanted to. Uh, I don't think that the value really makes sense for the Tigers. This is uh, Verdugo. I, I don't mind Doogie, but last season he had a 550 OPS against left-handed starting pitchers, and he's another lefty outfielder. And I just feel like this team is just so full of left-handed. If he was a righty, I think it'd be a lot more of a conversation. I also think that um, – they are now in a position where they're going to platoon their outfield. And I, I think that they want to keep him and, and see that through. 
I, I think that they have some some dudes that really hit well against righties in the outfield, and especially after some recent signings. And then, uh, you know, Doogie can – well, Doogie's going to hit against righties, and the new signings are going to hit against lefties. So uh, I think that that's probably the game plan, and I, I don't know if the fit is really there for Detroit. Uh, Cameron asks – uh, on Twitter at det baseball, heck of a follow by the way. Uh, says hypothetically in spring training, if Tyler Nevin had a 900 OPS and Spencer Torkelson had a 700 OPS, what one do you want as your opening day first baseman? Uh, the answer here is still Torkelson. And look, I am all for like overreacting spring training. Um, but I don't think there's – it would have to be significantly larger than even a 200 OPS difference in spring ball to, I think, change some people's opinions on that. And, like, 700, while it's not where you want it, it's not like, oh, my goodness, he can't hit, right? Like, I, I think you'd have to be talking about Nevin pushing, like, 900 or 1,000 OPS and Torgelson just looking completely lost and having, like, a 500 OPS in spring for that conversation to even really start. Uh, I don't think the difference between 900 and 700 is going to be like, hey, we should you know, start this utility guy <laughs> over, over Spencer Torkelson. But uh, you know, there's actually a question later about what is going to happen if Torkelson struggles again. So we'll kind of rehash this conversation then. But uh, if, if those OPSs are the numbers, I think it's still pretty comfortably Torque. Um, okay, let's get to our first ad break. And then on the other side, we will continue answering your questions. First, though, I got to tell you all about FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting sponsor for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers you can join today. Get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets, money line, point spreads, player props, etc. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. They are absolutely awesome. There's some bet. I mean, NFL playoffs, like it said, Honestly, baseball season right around the corner. Got some fun bets there. It's time to join FanDuel. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Thank you all for tuning in and thank you all for your responses. Uh, these shows are a blast for me because I love interacting with you all and talking about y'all's questions and stuff. So uh, I enjoy mailbags a lot. We'll probably have another one before the season starts. It won't be soon because like we're just doing this one, but uh, maybe like around spring training starts or maybe even closer to opening day, maybe like last mailbag before the season starts type of thing. Maybe we'll figure it out. Regardless, let's get back into it here. Uh, Garrett asks, is the amount of games won by the Boyd Hess vest Lang combo more or less than 25 games? I'm feeling more. Garrett is notably a huge fan of Matthew Boyd 
and Zach Hess. Well, all four of these guys, honestly. Um, Zach Hess is not making the majors this year, unfortunately. That's just not going to happen. Uh, we'll see how much longer he's with the organization. Um, as far as Boyd and the other three go, look, I, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised by Matthew Boyd. I'm not saying that he's like turned a quarter and going to be some incredible pitcher or anything, but uh, like top end, you know, ace on a playoff team type of pitcher. But uh, I, I think that he has made adjustments. I mean, I'm interested and excited to see them on the mound. And, you know, it, it's really, I think the biggest thing for Boyd is just going to be in the second half of the season. Can he hold up, right? We've seen time and time again, the path of a Matthew Boyd season is really hot start. And then as the season goes along, it just slowly kind of trickles down. And so uh, I think he's a competitive dude. He wants to last the full season. And I think that'll be the biggest storyline to watch with him. Uh, Roberto Campos season on Twitter. Uh, another dude that, that interacts with a lot of my stuff that I'm appreciative of. Which player slash players do you see having a bounce back year? Which player do you think will surprise us the most? Um, as far as like, I guess kind of both in the same breath. Austin Meadows like just seems to be someone that people just either like significantly disrespect or just like forget is really good. Like last year was was brutal, obviously, and, and that is something that that can't happen again. But like at full health, which he's been for almost all of his career before last season. This is a dude that at one point was one of the better hitters in the entire American League. Like, and he's still young and still has team control. And like, like this is this is a, a dog. And so, I think I, I don't know. It won't surprise me if he's good, but I think the fan base just needs to be reminded of like how good Austin Meadows can be when he's fully healthy and on the field. So I, I guess that would be the the easy answer. Um, as far as a little bit more of a off the board answer, I think. Like, seriously, we should start – well, I say we should start. I think people are going to realize uh, the value of the three players they got back in the Gregory Soto trade. I, I really like that trade more and more as time goes on. I liked it when it happened. Um, I think that – and, again, like, I'm not saying all three of these dudes are going to be all-stars or three or four-win players or anything, but they don't need to be for that to be an absolute – beautiful trade for the Tigers and I'm really excited for Veerling I'm really excited for Maton and I think the one that people are sleeping on the most is Donnie Sands the catcher like I said it before uh, in, in shows last week I think this dude has a legitimate chance to get like solid amount of ABs at the major league level this year uh, I, I think I don't think Rogers is going to be on a super long leash we'll see how he looks in spring and Sands has hit every level he's been at and is a good pitch framer, and he draws a lot of walks. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm i not saying he's, like, going into camp is going to be the favorite to be the backup catcher, but it really would not surprise me if after game 162 we were looking back and Donnie Sands had, like, 85 to 100, like, appearances in, in the season. It really wouldn't at all. So that that's maybe my kind of off-the-board answer. Um, next up, we have T- – at Torque RBW, what are your thoughts on the Tigers farm system at the moment? And do you who do you think the five best prospects in the organization are? I love this question. This was obviously a very hot topic if you're on Twitter. This was a very hot topic last week. Uh, everybody was arguing about how much prospect lists matter and, and you know where the current Tigers farm system is and whatnot. Um, 
I, I think that my overall thoughts on this organization are that this farm system is better than people realize and better than the national media is giving it credit for. And I think a lot of that has to do with the development that's in place now, not necessarily like, oh, look, this draft that we thought sucked is actually great. Like there hasn't been really any of those, but uh, the the development, especially on the offense, well, really on both sides of the ball, honestly, I'm not even going to single out each side. Overall, just the development in the organization at the minor league levels is just appears to be way better than it has been uh, maybe in my entire life. Like, we'll see. I don't want to get too dramatic with it, but it, it looks like it's taken huge strides in the right direction. Um, so I, I do think that it's a little bit better than like, there are some people that some publications that have the tigers at like in the bottom five or seven farm systems in all of baseball. And I don't know if I agree with that, even though I also very much realize that it's not like a perennial, you know, like top five, probably even top 10 farm in the sport either. Um, as far as my, I, I don't want to know, I don't know about best because like that's, then we're going to get into like prospect lists category. And I don't really like fully believe in prospect lists. Uh, I don't think, I think the difference between like the 40th ranked prospect and the 140th is like not nearly as much as people realize. Like you have your perennial, like top end, like, you know, top 10 prospects in baseball or whatever. And, and then after that, it really is just a lot of, of, I don't want to say guessing because people dedicate their lives to it. Um, but it's a lot of splitting hairs, I guess I'll say. Like, you're really trying to, like, be super nitpicky about it. My five favorite prospects in the organization, though, Colt Keith. I think people are really starting to realize how good he is, and I'm really excited for him to get more and more um, marketing. That's not what I'm trying to say. Exposure, that's the phrase. Uh, Jackson Joe, spinny. Spinny ball is fun. Can't wait to see him continue to develop. Uh, Wilmer Flores, really easy one. One of the biggest stories in the organization last year. Isaac Pacheco, I think, is kind of a slept-on prospect. Uh, one had a phenomenal season last year. Probably profiles more as a as a third baseman than a you know who's originally brought in as a shortstop. But um, I think he's going to take huge steps this season in the minors as well. And then Christian Santana, to be honest with you, uh, the the biggest international signing fee in the history of the Detroit Tigers. And uh, he's really patient. He has a good glove. The, the power is slowly starting to come along. He's still a few years away, but I'm very excited about Christian Santana. And then, like, Justin Henry Malloy is really fun. I don't know if I really count him as a true prospect because I think he's going to play ball this year at the major league level. But um, and, and, like, we didn't develop him. But, like, definitely someone I'm super excited about. Uh, and then Jace Young is somebody – maybe excitement is not the right word, but somebody I definitely have my eyes on this year because – First round pick didn't do that well as a pro last year. We'll see what adjustments he makes this year. Okay, next up we have uh, at Tigers English D on Twitter. Apart from the obvious, which is fielding a more competitive team, what are some things the Detroit Tigers can do to keep fans engaged, which they are not currently doing? For me, this is I think they should embrace what they're doing and embrace where they're at. They should market the fact that there is going to be competitions all over the diamond you 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 don't have to people just want to be told the truth dog <laughs> like people don't want you to go out there like you're only going to make more people upset if you go out there and you're like oh like gonna take a huge step forward this year right like last year the rebuild's over and like you say all this stuff and like people are only going to get more upset if you just pretend like we're not bad again 
And I don't think this team is nearly as bad as some people. I think some people are being really dramatic. Like, this is not a, like, guaranteed 100-plus loss team or something like that. Like, everything went wrong last year, and their loss total was in the mid-90s. Like, and some players just won't be as bad as last year. Like, they won't. Like, it, it's really – it's not going to be some unwatchable dumpster fire. And so I think they should really market the fact and hone in on the fact and embrace the fact that – they're going to have five different people play third base this year. And it's a competition to see who wants to take the the reins as third baseman of the future of the Detroit Tigers. And, like, they should, like, talk about the fact that they have a ton of different outfielders. And, like, they, they have a ton of players that play multiple positions. And you're not going to see the same lineup twice. That's fun. That's, like, fun to watch. In-house competition is fun. People like young prospects you haven't seen play before is fun. Players from other organizations that you're bringing in and playing in front of, like in an old English D for the first time is fun. Like embrace the fact, market the fact that this is going to be the year of competition at like six different positions. Embrace it and market it and get people starting the discussion. You're going to start so many arguments online and you're going to be like clickbaity about, you know what I mean? Like people are going to want to talk about, you know, the, the Tigers third base competition and stuff like it, it, embrace that, that that's what I think that they should do. And I think that's really the only thing that that's like somewhat intelligent to do going into the season. Just don't turn a blind eye to it and do what you always do and just be like, Oh, like, are we going to be like Detroit versus everybody? Are we going to be the underdog team? Like just, just embrace where you're at. People just want to be told the truth, man. Okay. Uh, let's finish up here and uh, yeah, we'll do that right, in the, right on the other side of this. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment here at locked on tigers. Uh, let's finish up here. Yeah. Let's just get right back into it. Third and final segment here. Locked on Tigers. Uh, Bucky on Twitter asks, at what point do you trade Mize Manning Scooble? Mize doesn't have much value right now. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I don't think he's pitching this year. Um, and next year, when he comes back, he will be 27 years old, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he'll, it'll be his age 27 year at least. And he will have not even come close to pitching a full season, like without any innings restrictions or anything. Um and like he's had injury problems really i mean do you y'all remember like when we drafted him there was like concerns about the arm and then uh he got shut down after he threw the no hitter in double a and like you know what i mean like he's always kind of had those uh speculations i guess we'll call them and that this isn't me like giving up on mize or saying that he's not going to be good but like as far as trade value goes i'm i don't think he's really going to have any like he would have to pitch a full season under his belt and be like show signs of progress for him to really have any value. So I don't think there's really a conversation there. Manning, we talked about on Friday's show. He's like my super dark horse to get moved. I still don't think it's going to happen, but uh, if there's a team out there that goes, you know what, we need to prioritize pitching. We have, a, uh, I don't want to say failed, but like a hitting prospect that hasn't been as good as we initially thought or uh, hasn't reached their ceiling. So we're going to trade them to you when you give us Manning, who has kind of been similar-ish, like, He's still very young and has a lot of control, and he's had his own injury problems as well. So we'll see what happens with him. But um, I, I think that like a one-for-one -one swap of Manning for like a equal situational hitting prospect 
is somewhat possible. Not likely, though. Uh, and then Scooble, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to kick the can down the road in this one because I don't want to have the conversation right now. I think when Tarek Scooble is healthy again, that is absolutely a conversation. And it's one that is unavoidable and one that we are going to have on this show probably sometime in the next 8 to 12 months uh, because – I I agree with that. I, I not I'm not saying I agree right now that we should absolutely trade him. I just agree that that is at least a conversation. Um, and again, when he's hurt, doesn't have any value. Uh, but I I absolutely think that that's going to be a conversation that's going to rear its ugly head uh, when, when he's healthy again, and we're going to have to discuss on the show at some point. So probably a next off season conversation though. Probably a year too early on on that one being anything serious. Uh, Jacob on Twitter says, predict the Tigers opening day bullpen. So this is a, this is always a fascinating conversation. The bullpen one, because I do think that the bottom of the pen is going to be somewhat of a revolving door. Like I think that there's, I I think we're going to have 10 to 12 to 15 pitchers out of the bullpen at some point this year. I think they really are going to get a lot of people opportunities again, similar to like third base and some other positions Um, on opening day. I'll go with Lang Foley vest, Alexander Cisnero. Those are probably the, the locks. And then Englert will assume he makes the team out of camp, the rule five pick. I like Streve. So I'll, I'll go with him minor league signing from uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then I think the last one is one of the four starters, like one of the four. We always talk about the the four that we all kind of lump in together, Brisky, Fiedo, Hill, and Wentz. I, I think one of those four. And, I, you know, Joey Wentz might give the nod just because he's a lefty. Now, Streve is, is a lefty as well. But um, I don't know. That, that'll that be Brisky. Probably, I really like Brisky too. I don't know. But I think one of those four will probably be the, the other one as well. Um, the next one actually perfectly plays off that. This is from Brian, another guy who's super interactive that I'm very appreciative of. Uh, which of your, which of our four young six starters do you foresee getting sent to the bullpen and which will go to Toledo? That's out of Hill, Brisky, Fido, and Wentz. Bonus question, which joins the rotation if E-Rods get dealt? I think a lot of this comes down to spring, which is like not try, me trying to like cop out, but I, I do think that uh, at least – three of the four, the three being Brisky, Fiedo, and Wentz, I think they all view them as pretty similar and Hill maybe just like half a step below uh, as far as like where they are currently. So I do think that spring training will mean a lot for those guys. Um, And I also think that long-term plans come into effect. Uh, You know, with the amount of starting pitching depth we have and with the experience Garrett Hill got out of the pen last year, they might just go, you know what? We don't think Hill is on the caliber of these other three guys or the other five starters we already have. So let's just get him legitimately looked at in the pen. Could be a a multiple inning reliever type of thing. Uh, Wentz, the fact that he's a lefty and that the only guaranteed lefty we have in the entire bullpen right now on opening day is Tyler Alexander. Certainly helps the argument for him uh, going into the bullpen. Brisky, I think they want to try as a starter. And so I think if he is in the bullpen, it's as like the swing man type of thing. Like maybe we'll be, as you pointed out in your question, like a six starter. Not that they're necessarily going to go to a six man rotation, but like maybe you have the depth to do it if you really wanted to. Uh, But maybe that swing man, you know, if somebody needs a start skipped, you go to brisky type of thing. That could be good. And then, you know, Fiedo, 
proved everyone wrong last year. I think a lot of people just automatically wrote him off as a future bullpen piece going into the year last year because of the injury and whatnot. And then, boom, was a starter and was pretty darn effective. I still do think that uh, because he's so like fastball slider first oriented that his mix makes a lot of sense out of the pen. And I also think that like it just seems to be injury after injury. And so I think the writing is somewhat on the wall with Fiedo to maybe become a long-term reliever. But I also think, again, that they like having starting pitching depth and uh, maybe he's the Toledo guy. I know I didn't really answer your question. I just kind of laid out the argument for all of them. Uh, but I, I do think that a lot of it's going to come down to spring and then like their long-term outlook uh, of all of these dudes. I think they want to kind of hone that in early, but undoubtedly some of them will, will go to t- probably two of them. Dare I say, will go to Toledo at least one of them though, for sure. Next up uh, from AJ Armento, we have, when do you see the Tigers being competitive again? And you could probably tie this in with the first question, but do you think the Tigers could get to the World Series in 2029, or are we still years away from it? Well, 2029, if that's what you meant to type, is still years away from right now. I think if – I hope so. <laughs> that's really the answer to this one. I really hope so. Um, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. Who knows if this is going to work out. Um, I, I think – I'm excited about the future. I like Scott Harris a lot. I'm excited about what he could put together. Um, I I think we're a far ways away from me just like kind of blindly being like, I 100% believe in this, but I like what he's done so far, even if a lot of people are still upset with the offseason. Um, and I think that if I had a crystal ball right now that told me, hey, you're not going to make the World Series in the 20s, I think I would be very upset and I would obviously no longer be a, I guess you would say believer in Harris's plan or whatnot. But uh, I mean, I I hope so is really just my answer to this one, to be completely honest with you. Um, Next up, we have Jim Springer. So many questions. Are the Tigers trading Erod prior to opening day? If so, what can they expect in return? I think that it's going to be similar to the Soto thing. I, I really do. Um, but prior to opening day, I think he has the best chance of anyone on the team to get traded before opening day. But I do think that there is still an argument of he didn't pitch very much last year. Let's let him reestablish himself, get some playing time, and then we'll look at moving him at the the trade deadline. That's the phrase. Um, so I, I think that, I don't know, it's kind of like rock in a hard place. Like, do you wait? Because then if he struggles, then like, he doesn't have any value at all. He's definitely opting out. So like, again, at the end of the season, so that's, that's like, it's happening. Uh, so he, you kind of have to trade him in my eyes, but I, I think he's the most likely to get moved before opening day. I, I don't know if anything's a guarantee though, there, um, they'll, you know, if they don't have an offer, they like, they'll probably just wait until the season starts and let him reestablish some value. Um, as far as – oh, I also realized that one of the questions earlier, I think from Brian, was uh, who gets in the rotation if Erod is dealt? I think Brisky. I think Brisky is the, is the answer to that one. Um, what can they expect in return? I think that they're going to go young, controllable bats, just like they did with Soto, just like they did with Jimenez. I think that's the name of the game here, uh, especially for an, an expiring pitcher. E- easy slam dunk in my eyes. If Torque hits 200 in April, who is the backup first baseman? This is a question that, again, Cameron asks, kind of alluded to the same thing earlier. Um, I think that 
it's going to be Nevin and or Scope, uh, I think, are the easy options. I don't want to see John the Scope at first base anymore. I'm kind of over it. Uh, there, there's like no point to me. I would rather Torkelson, no matter how bad he struggles, just stays there. Nevin's a little bit different. Like, sure, I guess that's a newer addition. You can go to that. Um, I also think my like sleeper for getting some looks at first base if Torkelson struggles, and hopefully we don't ever have to know if this is true and Torkelson just hits, and this isn't even a conversation in April and May. Um, but I think Matt Veerling might actually get a look at first. He's a tall, athletic dude. They have a lot of outfielders. He'll definitely his priority. He'll he'll get mostly looks in the outfield, but wouldn't shock me if he got a, some some looks at first as well. Um, next up from Gary, we have why not bring back Daniel Norris? I get the idea of having room for youngsters to prove themselves, but the Tigers lost a lot of talent. I don't have a reason why not to, Gary. I'm going to be honest with you. I, we've been signing a lot of dudes to minor league deals with invites to spring. I wouldn't mind that at all for Daniel Norris. He was pretty effective for about a month there down the stretch, so don't mind it at all. Uh, Nick Morgenstern, I believe, another person that interacts with a lot of my stuff. Sorry if I botched your last name. Just to know, why does this fan base conveniently seem to forget that Austin Meadows is good? I know absolutely everything that could have gone wrong last year went wrong, but he's good. I agree. Completely agree. Real question. Would you trade Erod for any young bat or a specific current need? Kind of touched on this earlier already. Yes, I, I think I wouldn't do like we needs to be a third baseman. There's way too much variance in that, and, and there's way too many players that can play multiple positions these days. Um, so I wouldn't just hone in on like it needs to be this position exactly, but 100%. I would not uh, – I don't need another like young, controllable depth pitcher. I don't. I need people that can hit the baseball coming off of one of the worst offensive seasons in the live ball era. So, yes, definitely a bat, but I really don't care what position. I don't think we're really in the business to be turning away people that can hit just because we might have somebody else that can hit there. Organizational depth matters. The Dodgers have a machine. It's next man up mentality, right? Don't really care about what position they play specifically. Um, okay, last question. From Connor on Twitter, which prospect in the system do you feel will have the biggest impact in 2023? This is a great question. I love this because it's it's not like, you know, rank prospects or whatever and, and whatnot, It's which, again, has been like the cause of controversy in this fan base over the last week or so. It's just biggest impact. There's also that's like so open to interpretation, which I also love. Um, I would, there's three people that pop into my head for this question and then we'll end the show. Uh, Wilmer Flores is one. I think that he is going to have the biggest rise within the organization. He will probably start off in AAA, but he might start off in AA even. Uh, but I would imagine he'd start off in AAA. And I think by the end of the season, he could be either in the bullpen at the major league level or even getting some starts down the stretch. Okay. So that's somebody that I think could have the biggest like change in impact from opening day to game 162. I also think Justin Henry Malloy is absolutely going to get a legitimate look this season. If it's not in the first half of the year, he will 100%. I can almost guarantee you be on the major league roster after the trade deadline if he's healthy. Lastly, I have Brendan White, friend of the program, Brendan White. Uh, he was on the show. We did an interview with him a probably over a month ago now golly time flies um but i think that he is somebody that is very overlooked right now on like young minor league talent that could make i wouldn't be surprised if brennan white made the team out of camp 
It was like on the bullpen in on opening day. Uh, I really do like his stuff. I really like his profile. I think he fits the, what this team's identity is trying to be. I really like Brennan White to have a huge impact and, and kind of put his name on the map uh, this offseason when a lot of people maybe don't expect him to. I cannot wait for spring training so that just everyone, you have like 60 dudes all fighting for 26 spots. I cannot wait for open for spring training, man. I really can't. I can't wait for opening day either. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I, I also love Andre Lipsius. It, it would not shock me at all if Lipsius got – he's also a third baseman. Again, like you could see like six or seven dudes play third base this year. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me. They might give Lipsius a look at second as well. He's another dude I'm a big fan of, draws a lot of walks, fits the bill of the organization as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I guess another one, but those three mainly, I think are the, the ones that I expect to have the, the quote unquote biggest impact. Okay. That's it. Thanks for making lockdown tigers. Your first listen every day for your next listen, check on, uh, lockdown MLB prospects host. Lindsay Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast under 40, barely. We got to end quick. But under 40, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'll take it. Thank you for all the questions. We will be back on Wednesday, hopefully with some news to talk about. Uh, pitchers and catchers right around the corner, baby. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Can't wait. Even, even now, even with everything we've gone through the last six or seven years, I'll still be there, man. I can't wait. Cannot wait. All right, peace and love. Going to therapy's dope, and I'll catch you all on Wednesday, baby. Go Tigers.